Good morning. As Rita said, my name is Greg, and uh, I'm really glad to be with you this morning. I'm glad you are here this morning. When you think of movies that have memorable, quotable lines, what movies do you think of? I think some might go Godfather, Casablanca, uh, probably just about any Clint Eastwood movie or Arnold Schwarzenegger movie has a great quote in it. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite, some of you might go for. Uh, I asked this question of a bunch of high schoolers and middle schoolers last week, and the first movie that I heard them say was Princess Bride. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a good one. Princess Bride is full of great, memorable, quotable lines. And uh, I think that the book of 1 John is to the Bible what the princess bride is to movies. Uh, not because it is you know, entertaining or clever in the, in the verses, but because it has so many verses that are so powerful and so memorable. So I just wanted to share that to reiterate Dan Abbott's encouragement to you from last week to be in study in 1 John as well as uh, 2 John and 3 John because it's worth it. Uh, and in particular, 1 John, because it's the longest of those books and it's the one that we are in right now. If, you are, if you're visiting or if you're fairly new, um, we, we usually have two sermon series going on. Uh, one, Pastor Scott is preaching through, and the other that the rest of the preaching team preaches to uh, when Pastor Scott is not up here. Uh, and Dan, last week, introduced this new alternate series, Light, Life, Love, based on these writings from the Apostle John. And I'm going to continue that series this week. Dan uh, also shared another reason to be studying these books, and that is because John's style kind of begs for study. In other words, it's, it can be really hard <laughs> for, for us linear thinkers to process uh, what John is trying to share with us. Um, Dan used a baking illustration last week, if you were here, and you probably remember that. He said, John... It's like John throws a bunch of ingredients into a big bowl and stirs them around for a while. And if you're a linear thinker, you may not know what's going on, but the end result is something really wonderful. One commentator I read wrote about 1 John. He said, I thought John was kind of a rambler. He just wrote on and changed the subject frequently. It did not look as if there was any rhyme or reason to his letter. But as I preached through a series of 35 messages on this letter, I began to see its makeup. So, so as you study 1 John and hear these messages, please do not be discouraged if it's taking a while. Um, God doesn't give us his word to confuse us. 
He gives it to us to reveal himself to us and to reveal his gospel to us. In 1 John, along with the, uh, the shorter letter, 2 and 3 John, God reveals some huge truths about himself. He is light. He is love. And he is life. He invites us, and he's paved the way for us to experience those things about him through what he refers to as fellowship with him. That fellowship, which is being in communion with him, uh, to, to know him, to be present with him, to participate in a relationship with him, a genuine relationship, that fellowship provides real and complete joy for us now and for eternity. That's what it's all about. Dan covered that invitation, that invitation to fellowship last week, when he focused on uh, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 1 of verse John. Uh, we're going to continue uh, from there. In those, but in those first few verses, just to recap, John says that he has a message to share and that we might want to listen to him because the message is from Jesus. And John, by the way, walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and touched Jesus and is in fellowship with Jesus. So today we're going to hear that message that John referred to, in which he proclaims to us one of those huge truths that God is light. And as we consider that, I hope that we will see that because of that truth, we may need to think of God and the way we relate to him differently, perhaps, than we have before. And further, I hope that, that, that if we can grasp this truth, um, that, that it will help us to see that without fellowship with other believers and without the cleansing power of Jesus, we cannot be in fellowship with God at all. We cannot, we cannot accept the invitation at all without those things. So let us, uh, let's turn to our scripture for this morning, which is in the book of 1 John, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. God is light. Not God is like light or God is mostly light. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. We, we've enjoyed a lot of sun lately. And maybe it's because the sun is lower in the sky than this time of year than other times of year. Or maybe it's just because I don't expect to see the sun this time of year. <laughs> but I've had a lot of blinding by the light moments <clears throat> when I'm driving and I make the turn and all of a sudden, wham, the light is right in my face. I can hardly see it. I've got to you know, put a hand up and put the visor down. The sun is 93 million miles away. If the sun had an on-off switch on it and you flipped it on, we would still be dark on Earth for 8 minutes and 20 seconds while the light from the sun traveling at the speed of light travels that distance to Earth. And then it's filtered by our atmosphere and by our sunglasses and sun visors and sunscreen and all that stuff. Yet, uh, even with all that, it is so immense that it's nearly overwhelming. Now, now John is, is not saying here that, that God is physically light. That's not what this metaphor is about. Uh, though they are, there are plenty of times in the Bible where um, the physical description of God includes bright, intense, overpowering light. One example is when Jesus showed a bit of his deity, his God, godness, to his disciples. It's an event called the Transfiguration. And the Apostle Matthew described it as his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. The physical part of this metaphor, though, is one that it's kind of, it's easy for us to relate to. Uh, just considering the physical power of unfiltered, brilliant light and grasping that God is light, it, that's enough to show us that that we need help to live in that light. John, in this context, though, is he's using the metaphor more to explain the purity of God's character. The purity of God's character. Life is good, or light is good. Life is good also, but light is good. Light shows us the way in the dark keeping us from stumbling or running into things or uh, getting lost. Imagine backpacking. Some of you probably have done this. Uh, Backpacking in the wilderness. There's no lights of civilization anywhere around. Maybe the cloud cover is even keeping the light reflecting from the moon. 
and it's, you know, it's pitch black. And, and you wake up in the middle of the night and you realize you have to do what you normally would do if you had a bathroom. At that time, just a little bit of light and a flashlight might keep you from wandering off the edge of a cliff or into a patch of poison ivy. Uh, that light is very, very good. By enlightening us with the way to him in the midst of this world of darkness, God is light means God is good. Light shows us the truth of things as they really are. I was just this week listening to a story from a guy uh, who was on a trip to a castle resort on a mountaintop in the Alps. And he and his wife were very excited about staying at this mountaintop resort. But due to circumstances, they ended up trying to get to this resort in the middle of winter on, at night on winding narrow roads with no street lights. And on top of that, amidst snow and fog that ultimately rendered the headlights on their little rental car useless. So they had to stop, and in the middle of the night, they had to stop, not knowing where they were or what was around them, and they were really starting to feel some fear of, of this cold, dark world, that, this treacherous place that they could be in. They ended up being rescued that night and brought to the resort. Uh, and the next morning, when the light revealed their surroundings, they found that they had actually parked their car in the parking lot for the resort. <laughs> but they did not know that, of course. And from, the from their balcony of the suite they were now in, in this castle resort, they were surrounded by beauty like they had never seen before. Snow-capped mountains everywhere, and they're um, among them. Light reveals things as they really are, and in this way, it is true. Among so many falsehoods in this world of darkness, God is light means God is truth. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. He is 100% absolutely and completely powerful, good, and true. Now, John seems to know that the implications of that might be hard for his readers to grasp. He's writing to fellow Christians, and... Um, uh, or, but evidently, some have confusion or, or at least uncertainty about what it means to truly live out the faith that they claim to have. So he writes in verse 6, If we claim to have fellowship with him 
and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Fellowship with God, a God who is light, that's the goal. Yet there are, there are some who believe they have fellowship with God, or at least say they do, but in reality they do not. They do not because they walk in darkness, John tells us. This means that, this means that they are living, at least in some ways, according to what the world says is good and true, rather than what God says is good and true. And remember, there is no darkness in God at all. Because he is light. There, there's no gray area. If we are choosing the world's priorities, even some of the time, we are not living in the light. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we are either committed to living in the light or we are walking in the darkness. There is no in-between. I can tell you that this is a problem today, just like it was a problem to the John's readers of, of his day. There's lots of data that shows that many Americans claim to have fellowship with him, with God, but they are not living out the truth. For example, the Gallup organization in 2017 found that about three-quarters of Americans identify themselves as Christians but only 37% say their faith is important to how they live. That data alone says that about 38% of Americans have the same problem that John is addressing. So fortunately, John gives us the solution to this problem in, in verse 7. He writes, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, at first glance, that may seem like a silly answer. You might feel like, well, you're saying, well, just do it. <laughs> just, just walk in the light. But we know that it's not that easy, right? Jesus tells us multiple times, in multiple ways, that it's hard he tells us how hard it will be to walk in the light, to follow him. And because it's hard, we have to really want it. We have to see that real and complete joy comes through our fellowship with God, and only that way, making it worthwhile to endure the hardships. But also notice the the other parts of this verse. First, have fellowship with one another. We have other people walking with us, encouraging us, teaching us, praying for us, loving us. You don't have to do this alone. In fact, we're commanded to not do it alone. And the other part 
of that verse, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Walking in the light does not mean we are to perform perfectly. It, uh, it has to do with, in spite of the hardships and the mistakes and that we don't perform perfectly, it has to do with being committed to God and being continually guided by him. I like the way that uh, the InterVarsity Press puts it. To walk in the light, they say, means to shape one's whole being, all one's actions, decisions, thoughts, and beliefs by the standard of the God who is light. If we're living that way, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but that's a discussion for another day, but Jesus takes it from there. Jesus purifies us from all sin. There's a second problem that John addresses. This one has to do with, uh, with those who are deceived or confused about sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now, some commentators and theologians will drill down in these two verses, and they'll talk about the differences between them, but I'm not going to attempt to do that, because I want us to, I think they're very similar, (laughs) and I want us to see the forest, not just the trees. Unlike the problem that John addressed in verse 6, where there there are claims to have fellowship with God, but, but some of those making that claim are still living in darkness. Here, the problem is not even recognizing sinfulness at all. This, this denial of sin, too, it's a problem today, just as it was in John's day. A 2016 Lifeway research study found that 10% of Americans do not even recognize that sin exists at all. Almost, almost that many recognize that sin exists, but they claim that they are not sinners. Some of the problem is, is not recognizing who God is. In verse 8, John tells us, the truth is not in us. We aren't recognizing who God is. He he is light. He is perfectly good and true. There's no hint of of hatred or fear or falsehood in him at all. If, If we claim to have met the standard he sets, we just don't understand the standard. Some of the problem is is not recognizing who we are. Theologian Albert Moeller, in analyzing some of that data about how Americans view sin, wrote, Americans think of sin only in terms of what we do, not in terms of who we are. The Bible reveals sin to be what we are, to be what we are as fallen humanity, not merely the acts we commit or fail to commit. 
God is light. We are fallen humanity. Jesus himself tells us that no one is good except God alone. So this problem of being deceived or confused about sin was a problem in John's day and it's a problem today. And, uh, and John gives us the solution to that problem in verse 9. He writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Confessing our sins means that we admit that we cannot measure up to God's standard. After all, God is light, 100% power, goodness, and truth, not a speck of darkness in him. And confessing means we recognize that the only way to live in that light is to have help from him. We, cannot, we can't claim to not have sin or that our sin isn't as bad as others or point the finger at somebody else for our sin. Confession is humbly turning to God and saying, I messed up and am messed up. I have no excuse. I am at your mercy. That's confession. And with that attitude, God will forgive us because he promises to do so. And he is faithful to his promises. And he's also just, recognizing our sin, recognizing the sin and our part in it, and punishing it. But placing that punishment on Jesus at the cross. Thereby, the blood of Jesus purifies us from our sin. So I started today by reminding you of Dan's message from last week in which he explained the invitation that John gives us uh, to join him and other believers in fellowship with God. Then in today's verses, we went into a bit more about responding to that. John tells us, first of all, that God is light. And because he is light, this invitation to fellowship is, is a far bigger deal than maybe we realized before. This is unlike any invitation the world has to offer. And this is an invitation to be in fellowship with God, who is light. So accepting that invitation is not easy, but it is worth it. It's also doable. By committing to it, by walking through it with others, and by relying on the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. It's doable. So let me close with just a few questions that each of us should seriously consider. First, if you're not in fellowship with God, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're hearing his word this morning. 
But if you're not in fellowship with God, do you understand that you are invited to be? Do you understand that the one inviting you promises you complete joy? And and if so, what is stopping you? If you claim to be in fellowship with God, are there aspects of your life in which you are living according to what the world says is good and true rather than God? What keeps you from committing to God, committing to let God be your standard for those things and to live in the light? And have you confessed all of the ways that you do not meet God's standard? And will you continue to confess those as you walk in the light? Now, if there are any of these that you want to talk about more or want prayer about, I encourage you, please feel free to talk to me or someone else here that you already know uh, or Indicate that, indicate your request on the connect card that's in your worship folder, and we'll follow up with you. And we'll collect those connect cards in just a little bit when we collect our offering. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, help us to help us to see it. Help us to grasp that you are light and what that means. And Lord, help us to commit to you, to commit to live according to your standards, to live in the light. As we process this, Lord, lead us through it. Surround us by, by people that care and can help us. And Lord, thank you for sending your son to take, to take our punishment and make it possible, make it possible for us to be in fellowship with you, to live in the light. In his name we pray, amen.